the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the lake of fire, the second death. These are images that flooded my adolescent mind alongside real-life stories of pastors in Soviet prisons and mental institutions. This was all alongside the ever-present possibility of a nuclear holocaust. Fast forward to today, we have Russian hackers, disinformation campaigns, fake news, conspiracy theories, and to top it all, a global pandemic. Surely, the stage is set. I'm Paul White, and this is Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. Join me and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we explore what God might be saying through this incredible book to us today. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, whatever time of day it is to you, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. And I have to say, I'm super, super excited about this one. Um, it's the book of Revelation, this jewel in the Bible, which is also a major kind of stop sign for me. When I'm kind of reading, I just come to this book and think, my goodness me, what is all this about? And uh, I'm so excited, therefore, to have with me my dear friend Pete. Uh, Pete Milner is a MA in theology and he's a great thinker and an avid reader and loves nothing more than to discuss the scripture. So, Pete, welcome. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to be here. So good. So, Pete, just before we really dive into this um, book, just what, do, what, how do we approach it, you and me, from our different backgrounds, and what are we bringing to the table in terms mm. of preconceived ideas, you think? I think the most important thing to see is that when you read a letter in the Bible, it's probably not the only letter you'll read. And when you read a bit of history in the Bible, it's probably not the only history you'll read. But when you read an apocalypse in the Bible, it probably is your first and only apocalypse. And what wow. that means is that all of your um, expectations for what you're about to read are entirely located in this one book. And that's if you're a kind of Bible-believing Christian and you're kind of trusting this for your truth, you often don't have a working category for what an apocalypse actually is. So just back up, let's mm -hmm. just think about, so is this the only apocalypse in the Bible and what is an apocalypse? So help it's, us with the language. That's great. Apocalypse just means revelation. It's another uh -huh. name for revelation. Does it specifically mean the end of the world? No. Apocalypse? It doesn't at all mean the end of uh, the world. Okay. So when you hear about a zombie apocalypse, yeah. there's a misuse <laughs> of the word. Right. Um, what words come to mean is, is kind of irrelevant, but the kind of writing that we would describe as apocalyptic does have roots in the Old Testament and through the Christian scriptures. So, so what give we... us an example of a couple of Old Testament ones. All right. So um, <clears throat> uh, let's say Zechariah is mm -hmm. one that's got apocalyptic kind of nature to it. There's some in Isaiah, some in Ezekiel, um, maybe Hosea. And what it is, is a way of saying, at the moment, things are a bit awful and being that we're sure there's a God of love that's promised us, um, you know, a future and a hope, how can this possibly be? 
And what the apocalypse does is it's supposed to widen your view right. of the cosmos, give you a kind of cosmic understanding right. of what God is doing. And in that kind of view, you're led to the God who sort of will allow catastrophes and disasters to come. But it is all part of his cosmic plan for the redemption and salvation of the universe. Right. So would you say it's like literally someone pulls or like on a stage where you might have a couple and they're on the stage acting out some drama and there's a particular backdrop behind and then there's a drum roll, the curtain goes up and you realize you see this whole different vista portrayed on the stage would you mm. say that apocalypse is that kind of thing sort yeah of definitely shows what's going on behind the scenes yeah because <clears throat> what is my life well it's lots of things but what is my life compared to the global strategy god has for saving the universe well i'm a very small part of it aren't i but a, a, a apocalypse or a revelation is supposed to show you the big picture of what God is actually up to wow. and how it all works behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. So helpful. So would you say then, I mean, certainly for me, growing up in the gospel hall, a brethren type of church mm -hmm. with a very dispensational view, and I'll explain that in a minute, <laughs> yeah, sure. where basically everything was kind of divided up into what they called dispensations and this the they were periods or epochs mm -hmm. of time where god was dealing with the human race in a particular way and then the book of revelation was very much in that kind of vein but always speaking about the end and what was going to be the end of the world sure that's that's the standard white western protestant reading of it and i say white but it's not not limited to white people at all not limited to the west at all not limited to protestants at all but what it is is a assumption that the rest of the bible talks largely about the past and right. revelation is like the stuff that's still to come mm -hmm. now you could rightfully ask well, why the big gap between stuff that finished in like 100 a.d and stuff that's still waiting, you know, in the 21st century still hasn't yeah. happened. What's the gap supposed to mean? I think that reveals the flaw in that thinking. And, you know, many people say, oh, there's lots of bits of the Bible that are still to be fulfilled. Lots of bits of prophecy that still haven't happened yet. I think that there's a great many um, schemes that people use to try and interpret prophecies right. that are deeply flawed, actually. And I think that by seeing things for what they are more clearly helps us see things more rightly. Because right. in the end, I think what the brethren were doing shows a process which in the history of the church is actually quite a long one. Mm. And it sounds like this. There's a big flurry of passionate and, and you know, urgent activity. Let's say someone's got a revival on, you know, God's spirit is at work, there's miracles and people are getting saved and nations are being flipped on their heads and salvation sure. is happening. And all of this incredible activity is often driven by people who are urgently aware that time is short. Right. Right. And we, the end is nigh. So let's not waste one minute, one second. Let's get out there and save the world. And what happens is eventually, historically speaking, at least, that has always given way to a kind of flattening of the curve of activity where people's right. children's children's children have been able to look back and say, well, grandpa was a very, very soft fervent urgent kind of christian he believed the end was nigh here we all are a hundred years later and maybe we don't feel like that quite so much mm. and what that gives birth to is this big static kind of 
continuational, you know, we've got to bury the dead, we've got to get people married, we've got to have mm -hmm. jobs, we've got to go to work. And the Christianity gets sort of softened into a long view that right. takes all the urgency out of our activity right. until somebody gets their heart set on fire by Jesus and they start suddenly feeling an urgent and passionate need to answer the challenge of the imminent end. And they go mad and they, you know, they pour out their activity and they're passionate. They might even see revival. They might see a huge era of church growth and, and you know, unity and miracles and things like that. And then eventually it has seemed to flatten off again. And you've got the long view again where Christianity mm -hmm. becomes stagnated. Right. Apocalyptic literature is designed so that your faith will always feel urgent. Right. Because the truth is that for you and me, the end is nigh. Certainly and is. even if history carries on <laughs> 20 more centuries into yeah. the future, within 100 years, both of us are definitely going to be dead. True. We only have a limited amount of time on this earth. And so the revelation, the apocalypse is to show me, oh my goodness, time is short. Wow. That's a great perspective, Pete. Very interesting and no doubt controversial. <laughs> so if you are listening to this and you want to comment, you can comment on the in the space available mm. but please try and be polite and courteous because don't forget we're christians everybody yeah. so don't even forget. in our disagreement we need to do it well absolutely and don't forget that the brethren were people that grew out of i mean john nelson darby and cyrus schofield and those guys who were pouring their hearts out because they absolutely were convinced that the world was just about on its last mm. breath you know, though that's the heritage of, of that great spiritual tradition. And well, for sure, that is our heritage too. I'm not going to knock them because they gave me an incredible love for the Bible. And, you know, I cherish it to, my, to my dying day. And, you know, I thank those guys. Yeah. Um. So we're going to have some fun, Pete, aren't we? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm really excited. I must admit, I've been somewhat reticent about coming forward and adding my voice to the countless other voices who are you know, kind of speaking on this subject. But I, I thought I'm going to get my friend to come, who's <laughs> also, he's looked at this in a more academic way, a more scholarly way than me. I've read it many, many times, but I've always been daunted by it. And many bits that are, to me, crystal clear, I love and mm. I find them just as rich and juicy as any other bits of scripture. But other bits I kind of think man this is a mystery oh. and actually I don't even mind it being a mystery I quite like that it's a mystery that there are things I have not yet fathomed about yeah. God and about his plans but you are not alone I mean if if you ever want to have a look at the sort of Christians who wrote commentaries on like every book in the Bible in history the likes of John Calvin for yeah. instance you know he's got a bible sized book on every comment every book of the Bible except guess which revelation of course revelation he was afraid of it they look at it and they're like oh my oh, goodness this is weird and strange yeah. and outlandish and cosmic and scary and all the rest of the bible makes so much sense to me but this last bit gosh and all through christian history there's been a few challenges to the question of which books should really be in the bible and revelation's been kind of in the dock every time really people are like well, should people it wanna... really be in there and Martin Luther's Absolutely. like, should it really be in there? The Protestants did it. The early church did it in a couple of different wow. epochs. And helpfully, the answer's always been yes. Come on. You know, they, the Holy Spirit has consistently yeah. spoken to the churches and said, this is part of 
the Bible, not just part of the Bible, but verse one of chapter one. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the authentic revelation of the person and work of Jesus Christ in the cosmos, in the world and in the heavens. And so it has to be part of our testimony. Brilliant. The fact that it's difficult just means that <laughs> you and I get to wrestle a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, then we're going to um, I'm just welcome you to this series and get ready for chapter one. Thanks, Pete.